Welcome to The Fishbowl, a podcast from the youth of Oakland to the youth of the world. I'm Layla. And I'm Sitlali. On today's episode, we're talking about youth leaders making change. Layla, did you know that youth have always been involved in movements? Youth have been a part of everything from the Vietnam War protest to the Black Lives Matter movement. I actually didn't know that youth have been a part of something as big as war. That's so interesting. One of the folks at the top of our list of youth leaders in Oakland was Anaya Butler, a spoken word poet and performer and leader in Youth versus Apocalypse. Joaquin talks to Anaya about organizing and climate justice. Right, okay, you ready? Hi, my name is Joaquin, I'm 15, and I live in Oakland, and I'm here interviewing Anaya. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing good, excited to be here. Awesome. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in East Oakland. Uh, where'd you go to school? I attended a couple of different elementary schools. For high school, I'm now attending Oakland Charter High School. What inspired you to join Youth versus Apocalypse? Before joining my VA, I was a poet. I was writing poetry with Chapter 510. My poetry has always been interested or rooted in like using it as a tool to advocate for justice and to advocate for, for liberation. And so when I was introduced to YVA, I honestly was not like that attracted to the climate justice movement just because of how it was portrayed as like, save the bees, save the birds. And you know, I love the bees and the birds, but I also love like advocating for my people and my community. And so YVA really showed me like how climate justice is about advocating for my community. And so that's what really like inspired me to join and seeing how it was like really youth led and about making sure our voices were heard really made me feel safe and wanted. Youth versus Apocalypse is a barrier-based group led by predominantly frontline youth fighting for climate justice while also advocating for social justice and recognizing that they are both rooted and connected. That's pretty cool. What does it mean to be a youth-ran organization? Yes. <laughs> I think it really means allowing young people to use their youthness as like an advantage and to step into the creativity and to think about, not only think about, but see their thoughts implemented and reflected in our decision-making with the organization about what a world that is sustainable and equitable looks like and how we get there. Hmm. How long have you been with uh, YVA? I joined YVA when I was 13, so about three and a half years now. Oh, wow. Can you describe a little bit more about the structure of YVA? Uh-huh. I think YVA has definitely, like, as we've grown, we've developed this, like, sense of what it looks like. In literally all of our structures or campaigns, one of the intentions or Goals is to always prioritize and uplift frontline youth or just in general youth, low-income youth. And so having that being intention for like YVA as a whole has definitely helped us with this sense of like we always are accountable to youth and to our ideas and it should be reflected logistically. So like our campaigns are youth-led, meaning they have a youth lead or a youth coordinator. And so if there are adults in their role, their role is to help ensure that we can be youth-led and that youth ideas are being heard and that we're doing it in a sustainable and equitable process. We try to always make sure that if young people are not in this space physically, that their voices and experiences are still being prioritized and uplifted. What's it like lobbying for change against or towards other adults? Definitely interesting experience. I feel like I've had a lot of different experience in terms of like trying to make change. And so lobbying has definitely been like one of the least intense experiences it is like a sense of pressure at least for me just to like make sure that I know as much as I know because I think when talking to adults especially adults in power and adults that you're calling out for their mistakes there's this like sense of like 
you need to know everything and like you I don't know there's like a lot of pressure and so I think um just preparing for lobbying and like being in the mindset where it's like this is what I'm here for I need to make sure that I'm rooted in this since we were talking about intense situations have you like been out in the field like in marches and stuff like that Mm -hmm. That was sort of like my first experience as an organizer. When I joined YVA, it was a week before International Climate Strike Day on September 20th of 2019. And so that was like the first climate justice action I've ever been to. And it was like an estimate of 20,000 to 40,000 people. And I was a front and it was very, very like not overwhelming, but just overwhelming in a good sense of where it's like all these people care about this issue. And so since then, I think I've helped plan Seven to nine actions. I cannot remember the exact number. I think all actions are intense just because it's like all the planning that went into it. You're thinking about it. You're there. And then it's like, oh, my God, like it's the date of. And there's just so many things, at least for me, I'm like a very like perfectionist and like I want everything to be perfect in a certain way. And so I'm just thinking about all these different things that go into action planning, like the marshalling, the chant leading, the people actually marching, the program. Those are like some examples and recently just did one, April 21st, for Earth Day. That's really cool. Uh, speaking of April 21st, I heard YVA called for change in the California government. Can you speak on those demands? Yes. So we had four demands for Governor Newsom in the state. One of them being to support the bill SB 252, which is a bill that calls for our divestment. Basically, our public California teachers' pensions funds are being invested into the fossil fuel industry. Last time I heard, $6 billion. We're also demanding him to stop, drop, and roll, stop all existing production and fossil fuel projects, to drop all of the projects that are happening right now, and then to roll out, I think, a 2,500 buffer feet between fossil fuel extraction sites and communities, because we recognize that a lot of those extraction sites are put 90% of the time near communities of color. The third demand is for him to, sorry, I might be like wrong on like the numbers, but this is overall the debates. Third demand is for him to not support and speak out against Biden's plan to restart the detention centers for ICE. And the fourth one being to regulate PG&E, a private energy corporation that runs California's energy and is very bad at it. And so we're targeting him to do his job and protect his communities and regulate PG&E. Wow. That's like a lot of stuff on your plate. You know, I, I hear you talking about all these issues. Is it challenging to balance your everyday school life with this program? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely is. I'm definitely um, experiencing some of those challenges even more than now than ever, just because I'm also in my junior year. And a lot of people say junior year is the hardest year. But I think at least for me, it's been important to recognize the ways that it's been challenging. So when I'm going into my senior year, I can really figure out a way that is sustainable and just good for my overall health and well-being. Sounds like a lot of balancing. You are the Hip Hop and Climate Justice Initiative Coordinator. Can you explain a little bit about what that means and what you do? Yes. I've been in this position for about two years now. Honored to be in it. I overall direct that initiative within YVA and one of its main I guess intentions or purpose is to use hip-hop and art as a way to to advocate and fight for a sustainable and equitable planet and so we recognize that there are many ways to create change and also many ways to establish in a sense of community and I think hip-hop and art is a crucial way of doing that and so I think having it reflected in YVA's intention of organizing is very important I think this year we're really focused on like just having that sense of like community and rest and like 
creating spaces where we don't always have to be like, fight, fight, fight. We need change. We need change. Of saying that, but saying like, we're here in our community. Let's share our experiences and let's be rooted and, uh, and grounded in them. Well, that's really cool that you like to bring in music into this. You know, me being a fellow musician, I was wondering, where does music fit into activism for you? Music and art in general is like what sustains the movement. The change that we're trying to make is radical. It's not just getting rid of fossil fuels, but it's getting rid of what even allowed the fossil fuel like industry to even happen to get this big and to be allowed to exploit people. And so we're really talking about like dismantling the systems of oppression that have started this climate crisis, but also all other injustices that frontline people experience. It's going to take some time. So I think music and art really plays that role of like helping it, keeping like the hope and joy and just community alive. Music and art in general is like the fuel for, for revolutionary change. It keeps it going. It keeps the change going, but also just keeps people going and keeps people together. In your bio, you made the connection between fighting for climate change and how it's also the fight for tearing down systems of oppression. I was wondering how you made that connection. I was not attracted to the climate justice movement at first just because of how it was portrayed very whitewashed. It didn't seem like I had a, a place for it or that like it really impacted my communities like in a positive way. Climate change, of course, like there's a science like issue of it, like we need to reduce our carbon emissions and all that stuff. Stopping fossil fuels, doing renewable energy, that will definitely help. But that is not the solution to climate change because even with all those things, the systems that allow this to happen are our capitalism our white supremacy, our colonialism, the idea that people are disposable and that it's okay to choose profit over life. That is what enabled the climate crisis to even happen. That is what allowed the growth in the fossil fuel industry and the growth of all these things contributing to the breakdown of our environment. After recognizing that and seeing like these are like the root issues and how these root issues are literally connected to to racial injustice, to migrant injustice, to housing injustice, to sexual injustice, you really see like, this is the root issue of the problem. So this root needs to be taken out because then these problems will, you know, long longer be existent. And I think it's definitely like more complex than how I just framed it. But then at the same time, I think it is as simple as I just framed it. In order to truly make change, in order to truly live in a, a planet where everyone is able to thrive, not only survive, but truly thrive, these systems need to be dismantled completely. Badass. I really like that. We want to know what your personal hopes and hopes for the YVA towards the future. Changing the narrative around the overall climate justice movement, because I think for a long time, the climate justice movement has been separated from the work of my ancestors in the civil rights movement and the, the union movement and just like really any movement fighting for justice for oppressed people. This movement is for you as like a frontline person, as a low-income person, as a, as a person of color. This movement is not only for you, but it's literally upheld by us and our contribution and our community and our ability to survive and, and work throughout these systems systemically built to deprive us from liberation. And of course, making change and just making overall this, this world and this movement a more inclusive place for people who have been historically silenced. So adding on, what are your hopes and future for yourself? I think I definitely hope to be able to live in the world that I'm advocating for. I think there's still a lot of healing that needs to be done even after that, just healing from these generations of just 
oppression and trauma passed down and to also just like be engaged with different communities and just to learn about different things in terms of like how we can support each other in our healing. And I think definitely continuing my artistry as a, as a poet, but also just like seeing how I can use my skills and as an artist, but also as an organizer to support those who who are still struggling, but definitely want it to be more chill, more chillaxed than what my life is now. And overall, just just happy and, and feel good about my work, but also about the planet that I'm living in. We enjoyed having you here. You know, you're, you're very inspiring. You do a lot for this community. And it was very nice meeting you. Yes, thank you so much for providing the space. Very good and chill talk. Thanks to Orla for researching and preparing this interview. Couldn't have done it without her. Super inspiring hearing about the organizing that Anaya is doing. Here's another take on youth leadership by one of our podcast members, Zaya. For a few years now, the high school I used to attend has been doing an ongoing assembly based upon the idea of consent. This assembly not only moved me, but it moved my perception of how powerful youth voices can be, especially people in your own community. In this assembly, a group of teenagers collaboratively told different stories about consent and sexual assault and bring awareness to the horrible situations that my old peers and my old student body had gone through. For example, real stories about being roofied and raped unconscious. This assembly was powerful, and it was taught to educate teens about the reality of how common these situations really are. From this assembly, I began to view the world, my peers, and even my close friends differently. I mean, you truly have no idea what someone is going through or what they have already endured. The teens who led this activity showed strength and power through their voices. Seeing people my age speak on such serious topics inspired me and opened my eyes about how much leadership youth really holds. After moving to a different school, I have thought deeply about advocating for this assembly at my own school, and I can say overall that it inspired me to speak for what I believe is right. For The Fishbowl, this is Zaya. That's it for this episode of The Fishbowl and the last episode of this first season. Thanks for sticking with us. We had five episodes, so if you missed one, go back and listen to the rest. You can follow us on the Chapter 510 website, www.chapter510.org soundspace, as well as our social media. Our handle is at Chapter 510. The production team includes Sidlali, Joaquin, Layla, Charlie, Orla, and Zaya. Music by me at W-O-C-K-E-A-M on Instagram. I'm still one of a kind. It's your boy, Joaquin. Production support from Stephanie Franco and Miss Mara and edited by Elena. Hosted by us, Layla and Sidlali. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys for listening. One more time. Thank you for listening. <laughs>